Hi, I'm Nicole Matheson, and this is Unbreakable, the podcast exploring the part of us deep within that cannot be broken. Today's episode is sponsored by my Embrace Monthly Women's Circles, held here in Brisbane. These circles are spaces of connection and support for women exploring how to thrive within relationships. This month's circle features Siegen Lindsay German from this episode as our special guest. Siegen will be guiding us to fully embrace our feminine moon energy and to a deeper understanding of the masculine sun energy, an understanding that truly helps us in our dance of intimacy with our partners. This month's circle is happening on April the 23rd in Newmarket. For more info and tickets, go to www.nicolematheson.com forward slash shop. Now on to today's episode. In this episode of Unbreakable, I talk to my beloved Kundalini yoga teacher, Siegen Lindsay German. Once a week, I show up on my mat in front of Siegen as she inspires me to push through an entire cycle of mental anguish, physical pain, and resistance before I pass into surrender and, if I'm lucky, breakthrough. As we discuss in this interview, Kundalini is preparation for life in general and, in particular, marriage. Our intimate relationships are not always going to feel wonderful and expansive. We are not always going to be aligned and connected. We may even be filled with hate and anger at times, but just like on the mats, Things cycle and process through. If we stick with it, we break through. Siegen has broken through many things. From her reflex to leave when things got tough, to her neediness for love. She finds herself now, 17 years into her marriage, with a cheeky rekindling of her love affair with her husband. Listen in as Siegen shares with us how Kundalini helped her find herself again as a new wife and mother. Why her children are no longer her priority, her relationship with her husband is now, and how that's working for her. She talks us through the masculine sun energy, how it can trigger us, but how we need to love it for what it is. And embracing our feminine moon energy. Also, how being passive-aggressive turned her into a screaming banshee at her moon times, and now her commitment to loving herself and loving the one she's with. Enjoy. Me. I'm pretty excited about this because I, I saw in your bio you've been married for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Shazam, yeah. same year. <laughs> oh, cool. Are you a 2000 wedding as well? We were 99. So you're oh, just, yeah. Just so we're, two, we're this year. Yeah. yeah, cool. yeah. Mm. So I thought it would be really lovely just to dive into marriage and being on a spiritual path and having children and... I thought maybe a good starting place for this would be, um, you know, a, a hurdle, like an example of the kind of hurdle that you've overcome in your marriage mm. um, and how it felt, how it cracked you open. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. When I was reflecting on this, I I actually spoke to my husband about it and I said, oh, I'm, I need to share some of the you know, bathroom floor moments, darling. And he said, oh, there's quite a few of those. <laughs> and um, and so we kind of, it was quite sweet really because we kind of went through it together, which I, I thought was a powerful practice. Nice. And um, yeah, it was, it was very nice. And I mean, there's been many really. I, I actually reflect back and think I, I, 
I would say probably the earliest one I can remember is even just straight away after having my first child. Um, if I think back to then, you know, we got married and everything was totally blissful. Um, and, um, and then, I mean, that sounds awful. Like, and then I had a child, but I say it was blissful when I, before we got married, I'd been struggling a lot. I had quite a few, um, you know, probably mental health problems. And as a result, I was on antidepressants and other wonderful things, which meant that as I was, you know, my husband really had helped me to get over a lot of what was happening. And I lean, lent on him quite a lot. But in truth, I, I wasn't entirely ready for the world that was awaiting me. So we got married and my husband's in the military and I then had to join this military community. And I went from living in a beautiful little rural village where I, you know, just bimbled around, renovated a house to being back on an army patch, being looked at women all the time. And oh, that sound, uh, that's how I felt, that I was on show again and I was having to define who I was and I didn't really know who I was because I'd left the army, I wasn't yet a mother, I was now a wife, and it was a whole new definition. And so I distinctly remember actually, and even the first year of marriage, having moments where I just thought, I, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know if this is what I want. Or, um, And so the next thing I did was define myself as a mother. We became pregnant, and I went on that journey of defining myself as a mother. And when my son popped his head out, he cried a lot. <laughs> I realize now he cried because I was so contracted, like having, you know, gone on and had three other children, I realized that his crying was as a result of really my, my discomfort in myself and my inability to surrender to the roles that were being offered to me. Mm. And I felt that that was demonstrated in my struggling with breastfeeding my the way he was so rigid was the way I was so rigid and yeah it was a it was a big struggle so during that time I had many moments where I would you know literally stand and cry a lot and say I don't know what I've done or what we're doing um but we then went on and had three other children which is part of my process of I said I was going to have three children so I did and um and during that, we had many more of those moments because, in truth, what I and so so probably and you know if I think about it, and this is like over a long period of time, really, because I started having children in two thousand and one, and then Poppy was born in two thousand and seven. Mm. So this is seven years of that mm. breastfeeding sleeplessness. I don't know. If there's any mums listening, they know exactly what I'm talking know about. What you mean. <laughs> that's, that's seven years <laughs> of, of foggy, uh, foggy, kind of a little lost in it, not really clear. And I think as well, we in, um, in the yogic philosophy say that um, a child and the mother share their auric field for the first three years of the child's life. So the woman's aura is cracked open when the child is, you know, as the as you birth, your aura breaks because clearly that you you, you can feel that occurring, and um, so and we then share the aura with the child. So for that first three years of the child's life, we share an aura with the child, which is why we get that intense sensation when the child goes out of reach from us, mm. because our aura is being stretched so much, and the aura then doesn't fully form again in the woman until five years. So it takes the, till the fifth year. And so when you have multiple children like that, and I actually was, um, I, I sadly had a few miscarriages as well, which my husband actually noted as some as our real rock bottom moments. Um, yeah, which is interesting because he mentioned those, which I, I actually found deeply touching that he recalls those in that way because it was such a powerful time for us. And, um, but yes, yeah, so if you have multiple pregnancies and multiple children, then you're extending that time where you don't have your own auric field. And as such, that's why it's so hard for us to define ourselves during it. And mm. that search, yeah, the search is never going to really be complete because, of course, we don't truly know ourselves again until that child starts on their own journey, which doesn't happen until they're about five. And I, su 
lovely way of looking at it. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it, when, you, when you've been through it? Yeah, and I think as well, it, you know, it's probably no coincidence that that ties in perfectly with when they go to school and mm. even with kindy, that starts around three. So this must be a natural process that, you know, developmentally as well. So for me, um, yeah, we had all these different moments. And like I just mentioned, around the times when we struggled through the miscarriages, they were quite dark moments, I would say. The blame factor there would have been... Yeah, because my husband has been away a lot. He's in the military, so he was away an awful lot of time, actually. But for me, one of the the big things was that um, in 2009, I think it was 2010, my husband went away to Afghanistan. And before he left, I distinctly remember in the lead up to him going, it's a classic thing when your partner goes away for a time, you create a sort of hate bubble. It helps you to protect yourself. So um, I, I know this to be true for a lot of women who are in army relationships. We kind of have like a big row. It kind of makes you prepare to protect yourself in a way. It's a strange sort of thing to do, but it happens. And um, I remember having this big row with him and saying, I can't cope. You cannot leave me with four small children. I can't do this. Don't do this to me. I won't even be here when you get back. You know, just wow. really laying everything out on the line. And he just looked to me. I can remember sitting on the floor in this very dark, damp house in Catterick, North Yorkshire, and I can feel and I can see the radiator, this really quite awful, old-fashioned radiator, just staring at it and him just standing there and just saying, well, I'm going, and I know you're going to cope, so just get on with it. And it was, it was just, I thought, we're never going to get over this. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I will leave him probably when he, you know, or, and, and I, I really did just think how many times have I thought I'm going to walk out and how many times have I thought I can't do this, but. Mm. Because I think that really is rock bottom, isn't it? Having those thoughts is really heartbreaking. Mm. Well, you've given up. Yeah. yeah. And what's, yeah, what's interesting is. My husband never, he, and I, I find this very interesting about relationships. So I come from a broken home. So my parents divorced when I was around 12. And my husband comes from a home where his parents didn't divorce. They actually did go through a hard time and they, they separated and then they reconciled and got back together. So my husband's experience of relationship is to see that occur Whereas my experience is to see that it can be that you just almost, it, you give up. So interestingly, what was powerful for me last night was when I was talking about this, I said to him, wow, there are so many times that the easy option would have been just for us to, to give up. And he said, which is really interesting, um, I, I think that that would have been the hard option. It's, you know, he doesn't, he didn't even see, because it wasn't an option to him. It wasn't an option. He he's actually just saw that we work together and we work through this. And, you know, so, so when him leaving to go off to Afghanistan, he really did know that you'd be there. And he was I, like, yeah, she's having a moment, but <laughs> she'll be fine. I think he, I don't think he, he felt like that about me. I don't think I was this, I, I definitely wasn't as secure or stable. I mean, that's not definitely two words that he would use to describe his relationship with me. Um, <laughs> because I'm just not like that. I'm just too, you know, floaty and, and, um, I flit around and I change so much. I think he is very stable in himself. Mm. And I think he knew that he had to do what he was doing. Mm. And interestingly, what I felt was that it was, um, it was very powerful for it to have occurred at that point because we were given uh, a break. We were given seven or so, eight months where we were apart. And although we were together, we were apart. So we, I, I called it my journey of self-discovery mm -hmm. because I went on a quest to find myself within that time and knew that it was secure that I was still had a husband although I didn't actually have to go through the motions of being with him 
So uh, that's when I found Kundalini Yoga. Right. Um, so I found it the day before he left, actually. The day before he left, we went and had a coffee in this coffee shop. And next door to it was a bookstore in the days when we all had lovely bookshops everywhere. And uh, <laughs> I miss those. And we were browsing just to take our mind off things and find him a book to have on his long flight and stuff. And I saw this book by Maya Fines called um, Yoga for Real Life. And um, I picked it up and bought it. I don't even know why. I just bought it. Mm. And um, I basically did Kundalini Yoga every day for the rest of the tour after that. Really? From the yeah. book? I, got the, I ordered the DVDs the next day. Wow. And I listened to that. There was a, a mantra CD in the days when we listened to CDs. There was a mantra CD, um, and um, I listened to that nearly every day as well. Um, and I'd never done, I mean, I did yoga, but I'd never done Kundalini yoga and I certainly had not had a committed daily practice. And I went on a massive journey with that. Mm. And during that time, it was, you know, it was huge during the time he was away. We had several things happen where, um, yeah, I knew that I could lose him at any moment. And, um, it was very, very powerful, but I think the real challenge was came when he came home. Mm, okay, so before he leaves, you get the hate bubble going. Does the hate bubble remain or? No, not at all. Mm. No, so then you go through this, which is beautiful. You you almost go back and rekindle some of the, um, the lust mm. and the yearning and the desire. All those things start to come up because after a period of time, even though it's very hard and you're having to cope on your own and you do go through periods of, you know, how unfair it is to be left looking after the children, you each, each equally then have the amazing time where you start to, you know, you, you yearn to have connection with them again. Mm. And so when they come back and have their R&R, which is a little mini break in the middle um, of sort of seven days, you then have this amazing sensation where, and I'm sure lots of women have experienced this, when the husband's been away for a week and they come home and you get to rekindle the passion and the first time that you connect physically is just just like the first time again. Yeah. And um, these are very, you know, this is very, I think, important to recreate these moments in our relationships where we can remember that you know, our relationship isn't just built on raising children and um, making money and, I don't know, all the other things that we believe. It's about having passion in our lives. It's about the physical connection, the getting back to our, you know, that primal instinct that we have. So Yeah, when you feel it in your deep in your loins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like and I honeymoon period, but it's... It's based on something even stronger because you've got this long-lasting relationship going. The other thing that's beautiful about it is um, that it's you don't have to you know what the you know the other already, so you don't have the inhibitions that you had the first time. So you're safe to go even deeper um, into how it feels. I remember that we went away and had a couple of nights at my. One of our family members took the children and we went away. And I remember after the first time that we made love, I cried. It was just like such a powerful release that I was just crying. And and I've experienced that many times. I, I find that sometimes there can be that deep release in those moments where you actually have fully given yourself again and and it's it's that that I, you know, found, you know, very potent. But and so that you know those moments were very profound. But then after that comes once they come home comes the, the learning to live with someone again. Mm. You've become very independent in that time. Yeah, and they have too. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my husband said this is such a classic line. I remember once he said to me when he was struggling because obviously children don't do what you say. You know, you ask them to do something and they say no. Well, my children do. Maybe everyone has different experience. But 
my children are, are deeply independent and I want them to be like that. But at the same time, it's infuriating and more so for my husband who when he is away and in the job that he does, he, he's lucky enough to be able to make a lot of the decisions. So when he says this is the decision, people say yes and do it immediately. Um, they even call him sir at times. So, you know, he has this amazing thing going on, whereas when he comes home, no one says yes. <laughs> That's quite a contrast. <laughs> so yeah, he's having to learn that he, he makes a decision and then perhaps, you know, his 2IC me says, oh, I don't think that's the right decision at all. <laughs> and then four of his little delegations say, no, that is certainly not the right decision. So it's, 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 a, whole, um, it's a whole different ballgame for him. Mm-hmm. And we had to learn to navigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where the growth in our relationship had to really occur. And it was there probably that I had to start to understand how much I was projecting, mm-hmm. how much of it was mine and not his. Um, mm-hmm. And probably they were some of my, my, my deepest moments were coming into that recognition that I was projecting a lot of my insecurities and my instability about myself and my... Um, feelings of lack of self-worth onto him mm-hmm. and asking him to to complete me going to that do you remember the mm-hmm. what was it called that film there was a, a film a long time ago and something and then it was a classic film and in it um, the woman says you complete me and it was a big line for a long time and that's a, a, a line that I think a lot of us have going on but in truth the partner does not complete us and it's too much to ask for them. Yeah. I mean, I mean how much pressure? <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't actually leave me at all because I'm not whole without you. Yeah. Yes. So projection, um, you know, I find this fascinating as well because I, I feel like, a lot of my relationship woes have come from probably little fantasies I've had about marriage that have, you know, expectations that have been disappointed. And without even realising it, they have made me really cranky. And, you know, it can be little things like, he should put the bins out or think of me when he's late home or whatever it is like little stories that then become which means he doesn't care about me and so that's really my shit and that is me projecting my stuff onto him because (laughs) It's not going on for him. It's completely different what's going on for him. And this is just a a really bad example. But um, tell me how you have managed to extract yourself from your projections. So when when you're talking about that, what I I immediately think is that, yeah, of course, it's the ego, the story. We're, We're talking about the ego really latching on to blame, blaming someone else. And, and this this has been a a big learning, a bit of a hard learning, I have to say, because I, yeah, I'm a proud woman, and I don't really like to take blame. And <laughs> um, and in truth, um, when I was doing my teacher training, uh, my Kundalini teacher training, my teacher was, uh, thank goodness, he was a man actually, and um, well, he was a man, and he he had had several marriages actually. And I, I used to get a bit angry with him actually, because I think, well, what do you know about marriage? You know, if you can succeed, how are you going to tell us how to succeed? Um, but he used to actually teach us how to own who we were and own what we were. So I'm majestic by nature. I have red fiery hair and um, I'm very fiery. I am probably 
you know, quite Italian or Irish in the way that I do things. I don't just do it quietly. I don't seethe quietly. I seethe loudly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, that, and then I get upset because I've done it. And he would say, own how you are. And then you don't get to choose how the other person reacts to that. Mm. And this was big for me that I actually spent a lot of time worrying about how others were reacting to me and then I would react directly to the other rather than realizing that when I said my truth, when I said what was actually happening for me, that was my truth. But the other person didn't necessarily have to agree with it. Yeah. It was it's up to them if they choose to disagree or however they respond to it is their choice. And that was a big lesson for me because I know that I didn't really allow my husband the space to have his own opinion of, mm. you know, me or what I was, how I was projecting. I wanted him to see it all my way. And so, so I had to. So then you start going, don't judge me for that or don't make assumptions or don't get cranky about this, you know, so you're actually trying to control his response, yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. And, and shout them down, you know, not even let them have a response. You know, I think that's a classic thing of just, well, I don't think you, you know, that's not true. That's not right. So I had to learn very, I had to learn to sort of, I think I had to learn how to argue. I think I actually had to learn how to have an argument that wasn't, well, actually wasn't aggressive. So what I have learned, you know, now all this time along is that i very much was going from a passive aggressive place. Mm. I was passive aggressive. So on the outside, I would be all, yes, of course, I can do that. That's all fine. And then once a month when it came near my um, moon time, uh, the veil would come down and this sort of screaming banshee would appear. (laughs) And because that's what I feel happens around, you know, when we bleed, then the veil has come down and we are, our, our true nature is revealed. And it's either a moment of glory or it can be quite messy. And, and it kind of depends how much we shoved under the carpet. <laughs> it's, it's your opportunity each month to see if, you're, if you are in your center. Mm. It's, it's an opportunity each month to see if you are following your heart or if you are, in fact, shoving it all down, as you just said, and ignoring what's really going on for you. And... That, that was very powerful for me to understand that I, I was not, um, I, I'm not, ass- I was not assert- assertive in my communication. Yeah. I was the opposite. I was passive aggressive. So I would be passive and then very aggressive. Mm. And that is probably one of the worst things you can do for a man because what he's looking for is a woman who can lift him and and allow him to be their son, and they want to be held in that way. They are our stability. They're our rock. And as the woman, they, they want to serve us. That's all that they want to do is serve us. It's, it sounds very humbling, but it's true. And we realize that it's, it's just so beautiful. And if as the woman you cut them down, you may as well really just cut their willy off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you yes. you castrate them from being the man that they want to be for you. Yes. Oh, I love the way you put that. It is really beautiful when you actually see um, how much they want to be of service. Like when you can see it and open to it and receive it. I mean it. There's so much appreciation and gratitude that starts flowing, isn't there? And there are moments in my life where, in my marriage, where I've been completely blind to it. I'm not supported, and because support hasn't looked exactly how I wanted it to look, which which was words of "you can do it, you're the best" or whatever. You know, it's looked instead like, "I think you should read a bit more first or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not I mean. supported and then not being able to see the support when the support is phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. 
it's so, and it's exactly that. It's, you know, the male uh, viewpoint is to fix it. It, and, it, you know, this is important. It doesn't matter if these are same-sex relationships either. Mm-hmm. We do tend to take that male or that female perspective within that. So that still occur. This, this paradigm is still occurring within that. Um, this dynamic is still occurring, you know, within those relationships. And I think we have to notice that that male um, dynamic is to fix. They want to give us a solution. And they can't bear to see something they can't fix. And so... What we're yearning, as you said, is for them to, sometimes I would say, or my husband would look at me in desperation and say, what do you want me to say? Mm-hmm. And I would say, if I tell you, it doesn't mean the same. <laughs> and, and, and I would be so frustrated because all I really wanted him to do was hold me close, tell him he loved me, mm-hmm. and just say it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And he was doing that by saying, well, actually, if you just went to bed earlier, everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. He would say practical things that would infuriate me yeah. when, and, and this is it, it's understanding that if I need that kind of advice, I need to go see my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I need to get it from my feminine input mm-hmm. um, area. And understanding that in order for my me as, as Sigan to feel were like one whole being, it was not going to take one man. It was going to take my man, my girlfriends, my teachers, my pets. I mean, my children. It was going to take all of these aspects to fill me up in many different ways. And then, of course, I had to go inward and have a massive realization about the fact that the only person that could ever really love myself was me. So one of my deep rock bottom moments was when on one of, on my teacher training, um, we had this lecture about, um, you know, understanding that we have to love ourselves and how we cannot look outside ourselves for that. And I remember afterwards just crying to Guru Das and saying, but Guru Das, I had four children because I was looking for that love in them. And he just laughed at me, but, you know, I was like, I've already done it. Like, I've already had the children, and now you tell me this, you know. Um, but, you know, I was crying because it's, yeah, I realized how much I pressure I'd even been putting on them. Yeah. Like, I needed their love. I needed their love, and that was not their job. No. They had not come to this earth to just love me so that I could feel better about myself. They did it anyway. What I needed to do was love myself so that that energy could be radiated out into my home Mm. and fill everything in my home. And that's where the abundance could come in my home. Mm. And that's all your children need from you, isn't it? They need that. Mm. Mm. They need, and, and I think that's the key that the husband needs too. You know, your partner, your husband, your boyfriend, they, they also need that that you to love yourself fully so that they can they can fully love what they see then because yes. they're free to. They're free to because you're loving it too. And and so, uh, yeah, I, I had lots. I mean, uh, my teacher training probably gave me a lot of the inspiration to get over a lot of my stuff. Yeah. And, um, and it went on for a long time. They were very wise. And I give this advice now to all my students. Um, If you do any personal development course that, you know, you definitely shouldn't make any changes within the next year of doing a course of a significant kind. Because what I've seen in my long time now of watching this is that a lot of women, and I don't know, maybe men too, um, leave their partners um, because of the stuff that falls out and they blame outside. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've seen it, I've, and I've seen a lot of women who leave their partners and then go to have same-sex relationships. They start to look in different ways to see if they can fulfill that desire of love within themselves. And we were told just don't, stay with the partner. And what happened for me was it came full circle round, and I was able to recognize that it was all majority, I mean, I'm sure that there's some, he would probably even take a little bit of the blame, but a lot of it was projection. Mm -hmm. And I had to turn back in and look at what I was saying to myself and what I was doing to myself. 
and then observe what I was manifesting in my relationship. Because every time I blamed, I was manifesting what I was blaming. Mm. We know this to be true. We hear it in the teachings of, of how to raise children. You know, if you tell the child it's bad, it will be bad. So why is it different for our partners? Yeah. And if you're focused on the lack, you're going to get more of it. Yeah. The question is, how do you, how do you shift focus? How did you do it? How did I, I I mean, I did it. I did. I've done a lot of meditating Mm. and I don't meditate because I do kundalini yoga, so it's not meditating like normal people meditate. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is, but it's a bit different. Um, <laughs> um, and so it's meditating in discomfort. It um, sure is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it's taking you to the edge of your abilities and really understanding what occurs for you at that edge. Yeah. And for me, it's having the, it's being able to be honest enough to say, yeah, okay, I'm, I haven't been nice in this situation to, to own what's been going on, to actually have the clarity to see what's going on for real. Mm-hmm. And within that too, to make the time to have the time and the space for myself to find the answers And then to start to prioritize my relationship with my husband. Mm. So one of the key things that I think we have done is we have shifted the priority from our children to ourselves. Oh, big one. Our children are not our priority. Our relationship is our priority. Yeah. When, uh, I, I, I imagine there's some resistance to doing that to having that mother guilt of, oh, my God, but my life needs to revolve around my children. Um, But really, your children need your relationship with your husband to really be able to open and blossom in your home, I suppose. Yeah, my my viewpoint on it, uh, do you know, and to be honest, I'll be really honest here because I, I hope this helps some women. I, I heard that Adele had been very honest in her receiving an award um, last night that she had spoken openly about how she felt that she had lost her identity as a woman and and mothering had been hard for her. Mothering is not easy for me. It's not my natural, it's not my natural gift, although everyone who reads anything into my star sign always says, I'm a cancer, and so it is, but it's not. And I think... I've always struggled with mothering. Um, I've struggled with being selfish and not actually being able to be selfish enough to sometimes give my children what they need. Mm. And I think most of it has been because I have never given myself what I've needed. Mm. Um, And so for me, there have been many times where I have looked in my husband's eyes and told him I would be able to leave him and the children and walk away. And I have known that I could do that. And I understand what it is to be a woman that could do that because I am the type that would just run away. Yeah. And I, as a result, I believe that I know that I've struggled with depression through raising children and all the other aspects. And I know that that has been really significant. But when we made the choice to look at our relationship first, I, I don't know if I felt guilt about that. Right. I think I felt relief, Mm. if I'm honest. Mm. I feel guilty about some of the time that I could have given my, you know, if I think about how how much time I wasted when my children were small, being caught up in my own story, I I feel guilt. Mm. But I've let go of that to a certain degree because it's it's done and all I can do is be a better mother now. And that is all I can ever do. There's nothing I can change in my past and I've, I'll never be able to change anything that is my story. So mm. I just have to take that story and find clever blame. Uh, the story that I have through my life is what has made me the woman that I am today. Mm. And it is how I am able to help women today. So I'm grateful to everything that has occurred in my life because 
it has defined this being that, you know, you're hearing now and you're seeing. Mm -hmm. And so in that, when we made this choice to start saying yes to us and to trust that our children will actually be better human beings for it, it was, I didn't feel guilt. I just felt joy and it shifted something amazing. And to this day, we laugh about it. We, we talk about what we want to do. And this year we've had to make a big decision. My son's in high school. He's, he's in year 10. And we've kind of said we probably can't globetrot anymore. So we probably can't just jet off and do another job abroad. But do you know if my husband came home tomorrow and said he'd found a job in a place that I'd like to go to, we would probably do it. <laughs> and and I would, and my son would be supportive of it because he would see the adventure and I would know that he would be okay because if he sees us as a whole unit following our dreams, he won't be able to do anything else but follow his. Exactly. And that's what I want for my children. Mm. I want my girls to see a mother that can believe in her marriage and can prioritize, you know, having privacy with her husband and being intimate with her husband. I want them to know that we have time alone together. I want them to see us cuddling. I want them to see us kissing. I want them to, yeah, I want them to see us arguing too. Mm. I want them to see how it is to argue and to make up. Mm. It's real so, life. Otherwise, you know, they're going to encounter it and go, oh, something's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, thank you so much for being so honest and real and um you know i just think this is the way we support each other by sharing what really is going on and it is hard <laughs> it's hard mm. and i want to come back to kundalini because um you know i i, I love coming along to your classes but i have to say there's part of me that hates it <laughs> because it's really hard it's painful it got like those meditations where you've got your arms near it in the air and you're twisting and breathing and saying a mantra or whatever you know sometimes for 11 minutes or whatever it is and halfway through you're like I can't do this and you somehow find the strength and you get through it like I just think it's a really it's actually a really beautiful practice for showing you <laughs> the ups and downs, the the things, this this too shall pass. That, that's exactly as you were saying it. I was thinking, well, haven't you just perfectly explained a marriage? Yeah. I mean, that's it, and that is exactly the purpose of it. Mm. In in one eleven minute practice, we can view the mind going through an entirety of a process. We can watch ourselves have ease, have discomfort, give up, and begin again. It certainly happens in my head on that mat. And, and all of that and experience at times enlightenment through it. Mm. And this is the truth of it. You know, we are women who are in the real world. We're not women who can run away to a hill and meditate for 10 hours a day. We're women in a real world. We need to feel that we're enlightened doing the washing up, for goodness sake. You know, Let's not think that we have to run away. Let's mm -hmm. actually have a practice where if you only have three minutes a day, you can find peace, you can find stillness, you can get connected to your soul, and you can experience enlightenment, mm -hmm. as well as relieving yourself of some of the, you know, residual, the residual anger that we may be feeling from what happened the day before or what's happened lifetimes before. Mm -hmm. And th this is why I practice this yoga. It is the perfect yoga for women because it's quick, um, it's powerful, mm -hmm. and it it actually does does the job. And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm very very passionate about it. I've I've probably gone window shopping a lot over the years at different modalities. I've done a lot of window shopping and experiencing and trying on. And um, now I'm well and truly in the Kundalini yoga shop and. Mm -hmm. I don't have a need to try anything on anymore. Um, I listened to my teacher, um, Guru Jagat, say the other day to her class, um, 
that she said, you know, you know this works, so do it now. Stop looking everywhere and just do what you need to do. And that's what I, I believe we're in that time now where we actually as women need to just do what we need to do, whatever that modality is for you, in order to raise yourself up to be the best that you can be in this job as a woman, which is massive. You know, Yogi Bhajan said that, you know, there is nothing greater than being a woman. She is creator in all her aspects. It doesn't matter if you're not a mother, you are still a creator. We create businesses, we create um, our jobs, we create even just, you know, planting, painting, food that we cook, friendships that we create. We create every single day. It is our nature. And that is the closest thing that you're ever going to get to the divine. But we have to own it. Oh, I just love it when you get on your <laughs> on your on your mat. I'm going to call it because <laughs> I, I come and join you once a week to hear this. I don't know. It's like you channel your wisdom mm. into it, um, and I know that. Um, like all of us on a spiritual path, there can sometimes be. A big contrast between Siegan on the mat and Siegan in the kitchen with the kids trying to get mm. homework done. <laughs> Husband coming home from work. Mm. I'm just wondering how uh, how those two work together. So I'm very much trying to 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 melt the two to one these days. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm very rigid on my morning practice now. I'm going to use the word rigid because I actually like the word rigid. I like the word discipline and I like the word committed because we're in the year 2017 and if you are not those things, then, yeah, we need to have a good hard look because there's a lot that we need to change in this world. Mm -hmm. And so every morning without fail, I am practicing on my mat um, around 4.35 o'clock in the morning and I do at the moment about an hour's practice and it is powerful meditation. And I do it to clear my subconscious mind so that the stuff that comes up in the night, uh, normally around the time, so we only need around six hours sleep. And at the end of that six hours, we start to dive into the subconscious. So I rise at that point and clear my subconscious mind so that I have less of that stuff to take into my day. And I'm very much testing it. I, I am on the principle that I've studied this stuff a long time now and I want to know that it works. So I'm testing it out mm -hmm. and I want the teachings to stand up and prove themselves to me. And I'm telling you they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's not easy. So it's not like I can just, you know, if I miss it, I notice that I'm not the same Sigan. Mm -hmm. I, I turn very much back into Samantha and, and start having, um, you know, little moments to myself. So I... I really, really feel that my daily practice, my sadhana, which is something that I feel should be non-negotiable in every woman's life, whether it's 4.30 in the morning or 12 midday or just five minutes with her cup of tea standing on grass, is, is paramount in making a shift mm. to actually being able to be a spiritual being having a human existence. Because we are going to get angry. The truth is we are. And if you don't get angry, then that's going to build and manifest itself as something else in your body. So get angry, but get angry in the right way. Mm. Project that anger correctly. Project it in a way that means that it can be cleared from your system. And learn to be, you know, not be passive aggressive. Learn actually to be... I'm able to communicate clearly and concisely so that others can understand your needs. It's when we know our own needs that we can then empathize with others. And that's when we can have peace because we recognize the needs of others too. But for a lot of us, and this is a massive journey of mine, we are unable to recognize our needs. When I was studying um, my holistic counseling course, we had to do this need questionnaire. And I remember being with my partner and you had to write down and recognize your needs. And I looked at my partner and just said, I, I, can't, I can't do that. Mm. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what my need is. And 
I am imagining, because in my experience, if I feel that, then there are at least another few women that do, that there are other women that are not recognizing their needs. Oh, yeah, I would say it's really quite common for women, and especially mothers. Our needs kind of get pushed down the pile of priorities Mm. and eventually forgotten. Mm. So I, I feel recognizing your need, my need is to have that quiet time. I need to have my meditation. Mm. Um, if I can, I like to have a walk every day. Um, yeah. and, and I think as well, we've touched on this. I know you and I have spoken about this. You know, like I'm, yeah, I'm in business and, um, you know, I, I'm a yoga teacher and, um, you know, I, that's a business. And, but I want that to be a conscious business. And I think, you know, even what you and I have talked about with this concept of creating simplicity. Mm. Um, I, I, and I've talked to quite a few, yeah, it's interesting, quite a few students recently about this as well. We have to enter the world that we're living as a woman. We have to stop trying to be a man. So a lot of women that I meet who are doing amazing work out there, you know, they're in high profile jobs and they are, really doing amazing stuff. And we want women to be doing this. We need conscious women to be in these roles. We don't want people to give up and become yogis and not make a change. We need people to be in these powerful jobs, to be teachers, doctors, lawyers, nurses. We need women who are conscious doing that and men. And But at the same time, we need women when they're in those roles to be woman or be a woman doing it. And how does it look? What does that look like? What is it to go about your daily life at work as a woman, not as a man? Oh, I love that question. I would also like to ask the question, what is it to go about your family life, your home life as a woman? Because as I commit more fully to my truth, which is female, I'm finding all these places where I am not giving myself permission to actually be fully female. You know, like, for example, how fluidly we change our minds. (laughs) You know, just that, for example. There's shame about it. There's uh, defensiveness about it. There's, you know, justification needed. No, no, it just is. Or, you know, there's there's so many things like that where it's fem- it's feminine, it's female, it's it's okay, it's natural. I think that that is, and I was having goosebumps as you were talking about that because this is the thing, you know, this is it. This is the magic. You know, it's allowing, it's opening, it's all those words that just are feminine. It's it's the yin practice. It's, and that is, you know, and what I, this is another reason why I just love these teachings. Yogi Bhajan was a total feminist. I mean, he was a feminist. He absolutely, one of the you know, big things he said was, you call yourself a chick and all I see is an eagle. You know, it's, he saw in women what they were and their divinity. And in that, we have to understand exactly as you're saying, uh, there are the teachings around our moon centers. So as a woman, we have different moon centers within the body and they change every two and a half days. Mm. Now, this means that within our structure of our cycle, because we know how deeply connected with the moon we are, So we have the connection with the moon where we shift our energy center every two and a half days. Um, That means that, and this to be true, one one day we can feel totally depressed and ready to throw in the towel. And the next day we are ready to go out and take over the world. And the switch is as quick as that. It can be, you know, one evening to the next morning or even one morning to that evening. And one minute we want to be with people, the next minute we, I, you know, have this a lot where I just go, actually, I don't, you know, I don't want to, no, I don't want to answer the phone. Other days, my husband can't get me off the phone. So, you know, it's, it's so, and it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually what attracts the male to us Mm. because we provide them with 
you know, this beautiful demonstration of a dance. Mm. They are the sun energy. They are still. They are firm. They are strong. We are the moon energy. We wax. We wane. We give them entertainment. Mm. We allow them to see another point of view, to see another side. And that, that is what they yearn to see in us. They, it's what, it's the reflection. So when we are also the sun, and we've got two <laughs> suns in the house. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. You see, you see, when we're trying to be the sun, then we're just losing our whole our whole identity as the moon. We've lost it. We've let go of the moon. And then let's think what happens. There wouldn't be a tide. Mm. How, you know, there wouldn't be the changes. There wouldn't be, you know, you think how important the moon is to our planet. It's exactly the same to our family. Mm. You know, we wouldn't have the ebbs and the flows. It would just all be rigid. And it's about within our relationship owning that responsibility that you have as a woman and then honoring the responsibility that your husband has, mm. your partner has. You know, one of my dear, dear friends um, said to me, she, she is divorced. And I remember getting on my high horse one day and complaining because my husband had shouted at my daughter for not doing something. And I thought he'd been very um, quite, you know, a bit too strong with her about it. And I said, you know, I said to her, you know, I just think he should have just been a lot more gentle and it made me quite agitated. And that's the thing. His energy is so much stronger and it mm. it causes me to feel that, you know, I, it's not soft enough. And she really stopped me dead in her tracks. She's a Kundalini teacher as well, so she speaks her truth. And she stopped me right in my tracks and said, Sigan, you know, I'm telling you now, I have two sons and I raised them as a single mother and they are missing out on fundamental lessons as a result of this. Mm-hmm. They needed the, the, the they needed that non-movableness of the male. They needed to know that when they pushed up, they would be met with resistance. They needed that, and I couldn't give it because I went, yeah, okay. Oh my god, this is actually making me quite emotional because it's exactly. <laughs> What goes on in my family as well. Yeah, I've got massive, I can feel it. Yeah. And the point is, what she said to me was, she said, you need to let him do his job in your house. Because he has a role. I feel emotional now. (laughs) Yeah, he has a role and that role has to be on it. And at times it's not going to be the way we want to do it because it's not our way. Yeah. But the children, because the children are part male, part female, mm. they need to have both sides. If they only have the woman's side or they only have the male side, then – and that's not to say those um, those amazing women um, who are raising children on their own, that's not to say that they can't do that because we all know that that's where the importance and it's important when you're in a relationship too that we have to find those role models for our children. Yeah. That's where those amazing coaches come into play, those amazing teachers, the family, the uncles, the brothers. This is where they're so important, the masculine within the family. Mm. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So I've just got one more question for you. I'm wondering if you could whisper in your own ear on around the time when you got married to your husband give yourself some advice and guidance what would you say well, I feel quite I'm actually quite emotional about that um, I would say love yourself mm. I would say love who you are now and and just that I don't think there is anything I, I don't believe there's anything else it was the thing that I was missing mm. I was missing I was missing that I was so attached to my story mm. that I was punishing myself way beyond the time when I'd been punished mm. I was doing it for, to myself every single day and 
my husband, bless him, you know, he was trying to do all the loving for me and he could never do that. And so if, in truth, I, you know, I would say love yourself, but I would also say well done. You know, she did so well to get where she was and she did so well to keep going. And 17 years later, I just want to congratulate her again and say, good on you, girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how you say it here in Oz. And I just think, you know, let's just stop being hard on ourselves. I don't, I just need to love myself where I am now. And every day that will shift and every day that will grow. And if if I can do that and own just being the woman that I am now, then that's enough. It's enough for me. It's enough for my children. It's enough for my girls, my boys, my husband. It's enough. I'm enough. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and just an added bonus question. How does it feel to be here 17 years later? Well, I... In fact, this is another, we were just talking about this last night. I'm so excited. It's like my kids are growing up. Um, we go out now on dates and get to leave them all at home. We do it a lot. We go to the cinema. We like the cinema. We go to the cinema a lot on dates. We, we let them have screen time and we sneak off to our bedroom together. We, you know, we, we're naughty together. We, we have fun together now and I love it. You know, we whisper to each other and know that we're saying things that we don't want the kids to hear and we're starting to go back. It's like, it's great. It's fantastic. Mm. I'm like with my best friend, my lover, my partner, you know, we, yeah. <laughs> very emotional. <laughs> oh. I think seven, I mean, I don't know, maybe I, I was thinking about it, you know, it's, and he's, you know, as well, I went through the stage where I didn't fancy him too. I was thinking about this. I went through stages in my marriage where, I didn't fancy my husband. You know, I lost that because I was so caught up in the physical yes. of actually disliking my own body, if I'm honest. And mm -hmm. that's what it was. It was my projection of that. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, now when I see him, I'm like, four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I get to do that still. And uh, that comes because it's so true. We have to learn that when we don't have to, but it's, it's so beautiful when we learn that what we are, what is going on in our mind is really what we experience. So if we imagine our man the way that we want him to be, he is already that. He is our dreams fulfilled. You know, and I, this, this, I'm going to absolutely take this now from Guru Jagat. This is from Guru Jagat, who's an amazing teacher. You should everyone look her up. She um, said, and this is so brilliant, she said, we spend so much time searching for the right one, searching for the one. The truth is that we already probably had the right one and we effed it up. <laughs> so why don't we start loving the one we've got, hey? Mm. You know, we have to love the one we've got because that's the one. And if you don't love this one, Another, you know, you have to try it with another one. So what about this new paradigm? Let's go on a new paradigm. Let's not think that the one is out there because, like I said, we've probably already let him go yeah. or her go. They're probably, they've gone probably. So we may as well love the one we've got now with all our heart and learn the lessons. Mm -hmm. Yogi Bhajan said marriage is the highest form of yoga. It is. It is the highest practice that you can do. So, mm -hmm. yeah, let's. Let's love the one we've got fully, openly. Let's allow and inspire them to be what we want because that projection is what we'll get. And it's got to start with projecting inward. Who do we want to be? How's the woman that we want to be look like? And then mm. it'll come out. Beautiful. And on that note, <laughs> um, if people want to find you, where do they go hunting? Um, so, well, very simply, just find me at um, gracefulwomen.com.au. Um, you'll find me and my beautiful business partner, um, Sat Ravi or Meg. And um, we're there. Um, everything that I do is now on that page, um, all connected into one beautiful portal of um, 
women's teachings um, and also relationship teachings. We'll be embarking on some of that as well. And um, Sat Ravi is very keen to, to, to do, to work with that. And so that's, that's where to find me. That's how to work online with us or come and find us in person in Brisbane as well. Or you can just come and hang out with Nicole and I in my little village. <laughs> my little village retreat in Sanford anytime. And get a swim after yoga. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on Facebook on the same thing and on Instagram and all those other things. But just, yeah, graceful women, just come and be graceful. It's what we all are. We just have to remember. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Oh my God, thank you, Nicole. I honor you. I totally honor you and the work that you're doing. I'm so blessed to have met you. And I think all of us will take a moment to pause and in gratitude for the amazing work you've done for women over the years and continue to do. Mm. Thank you for going so deep in yourself for all of us. Mm. I honor you. I honor you. Mm. Sat now. You can find the show notes for this episode at nicolematheson.com forward slash podcast 16. While you are there, download my free gift, Sweet Soul Whispers. It's a meditation set to beautiful music, and it's the words your soul would say to you if she could whisper in your ear. If you have enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to share it with your friends and pop over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, bye.